Hello, everybody, and welcome to Bad End, episode 48. I'm one of your illustrious co-hosts, Kyle Cookstell, and I'm joined for the first time in at least an episode by my two favorite co-hosts. Oh, it's me, Katie McCarthy. I'm back. I thought you were like leading into me, but then you said I thought two. I thought I was, and then I was like, well, you know, I'll just let you do your thing. <laughs> just, like, there's two. Um, I'm back. I was on, I wasn't on vacation. I was about to say I was on vacation last episode. I was on a work trip, so it was not that fun. Uh, but yeah, I could not record sadly. But I'm back, and I'm happy to be here. Happy to have you back, Katie Thank McCarthy you. Thank you. Thank you. of usgamer.net. That's me. Is it officially USG now? It's or is been it just USG like... since like January. No, no, no. I meant like, is it actually USG? Is that is it just that's USG like what now? We, that's what we were rebranded as, but like, I don't know. People still say US Gamer. People it doesn't really matter, Gamer. in my opinion. Yeah. It's, like, it's like GOG and good old games. Yeah, so USG. no one's going to say good old games. You know? .net. That's a dumb name. I mean, yeah. My name is or Josh like, Calixto. I uh, write for Kotaku.com and others. Um, and so you're still you're still Josh Calixto, not JC, even though you've rebranded to JC.net. No, Joshua. It's, I see Joshua it's pop still, up, you know? Joshua. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, Where are you at with that personal brand? Um, It's going pretty well. I think... Uh, nice. Yeah, it's, it's stagnated a bit, I would say. Oh. But whatever it's all good dude we're we're just out here grinding we're doing our thing i'm just waiting for bad end to blow up and uh... <laughs> so we can make a living <laughs> off like a big ass patreon you know that's yeah. a great time to remind everybody we have a patreon <laughs> um it is patreon.com slash bad end you can support us i actually do want to plug it because we can say what we talk about on it yeah we just yeah. had a really great episode with the game club where we actually richard we sorry we interviewed uh richard hoffmeyer uh, who did type dreams recently so if you're wondering the man behind cart life and type dreams and all this sort of other crazy weird stuff um he was a game club episode so if you want to you know check that out it's on game club do we you post subscribe that on, on the patreon? patreon i feel like i remember messaging josh about it but i totally forgot about it if it's not there it'll be there we'll figure it out for sure it's yeah. on this we have it in the discord at least the private discord but yeah. so the idea just to recap is that kind of we we have our main episodes that everyone gets for free and we have a, if you back us on Patreon, you get access to our discord, which has a lot of great discussions by a lot of different people kind of about games. If you, it's honestly like it's become my main go-to source to talk about game stuff. Cause everyone in there is just like smart and interesting. And like, there's not the memes are contained to the meme channel, but most people are interested in like a good discussion. Um, and then if you back us at a higher level, you get access to our once a month game club episode where we typically play small games that um, you might have just only heard of or something and just talk about those. So the idea is to kind of shine a light and bring the bad end discourse to games that deserve it mm -hmm. uh, and games that might necessarily get talked about elsewhere. So definitely back us if you're interested. It, it's super cheap. You can back us for at least $3. So yeah, it's love, a chill, love that. chill little environment to be in. Shout out to all And there's the a Discord dedicated K-pop channel. Yeah. If you want to talk about K-pop with Josh, this <laughs> is the spot. If you just, want to hear me geek out about K-pop. Yeah, it's just, Every I don't morning even go I wake to that up, channel. there's some new videos in there. You know? And I'm like... We had to it's like a segregate it from the music channel because people were getting like, mad that they were like, what's with all these Asians in here? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Um, um, anyways, this is a podcast about video games, not K-pop. Um... 
Katie, can you actually say what you were doing on your work trip a little bit? Because it's video games related. Um, Vaguely. I mean, I was out for Judges Week, so like E3. Four. For E3, E3. Yeah. So basically, it's like they bring people from outlets to Santa Monica or LA or whatever, and then they give you a bunch of stuff to play. And it's like some is like some stuff I can't talk about ever. It's like for judging only for like E three awards. Uh, other stuff is like I'm writing up previews or like embargoes that are coming up and that type of stuff. Um, uh, I can't talk about what was there at all. <laughs> but that's fine. I was. We're I just hoping, it's we're interesting. Hoping some cool bad end collabs will come out of you know Katie's rubbing elbows with some, <laughs> some big game folks. Yeah, um, man. I'm yeah. getting them all in. Like Tim Rogers. He was Adam not there, Russell. but, you know. We've had some dope <laughs> guests, man. Um, and we will continue to have more dope guests. That's the plan. Uh, if you have any ideas for dope guests, reach out to us. We got a Twitter. We got a uh, email, uh, which we will plug at the end of the episode. But you, do you want to talk about some games? Yeah. I feel like I, I really want to talk about the game that I play. Well, I, I got to ask Katie for a second. Because I think that, like... I would, I would not. I just want to like ask you about Judges Week. Mm-hmm. Like, as a games journalist, do you feel like you've made it? Like, you go to Judges Week, you get to see all like the new shit. You get to yeah, like be big. a judge. Is that like it the wasn't pinnacle? honestly that big? I don't know. It's like Judges Week. It's not like we learn everything. Like, I feel feel like people have this conception where like, oh, everyone goes to Judges Week, learns about everything that's gonna get announced at E3, and that's just not how it is. It's like not everyone participates. And, like, some that participate don't even show off everything they have. It's just, like, I don't know. It's not that, I don't know. Because I, I was kind of warned more that, like, beforehand. So, it's, like, I knew it wasn't, like, a big thing. It's just kind of, like, it's a weird week. It's just, like, a lot of events. Like, you're working from, like, in, early in the morning to super late at night, like, every day. And then you just go home and you're super tired. And then you're, like, I have so much to do. And you look at your schedule and, like, have a heart attack. I mean, but you're like there, but you're there. Yeah, like there. you're not. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing is that like. I feel like I kind person. of made it a while ago, almost in a way. You know, it's like I kind of I haven't like had that like moment where I was like I've made it. Like I just feel like I kind of slowly found myself in the center of this industry, and I I didn't anticipate it. Like it's like funny, like having friends that are super like wowed and like amazed by my job, and I'm like, I don't know. It's just what I do. I mean, I feel like you're never really going to feel that way, you know? Yeah. And I have like, a wake up. I mean, I guess, like, I don't know. I feel like there's, like, interviews that I've had, like, that moment. Where I'm like, wow, like, when I was a kid, this would have been crazy, you know? <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. tired and eat coffee. Bonkers, you know? And now I'm just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now I'm like, I got four hours of sleep last night to hit in a bar. <laughs> That's not fun. <laughs> yeah. I played Red Dead Redemption for 80 hours and three days. <laughs> Honestly, I, th- I'm so glad to have to review that fucking game because that sounded like a nightmare. And I honestly like pushing, like speeding through that game just sounds like the opposite way to enjoy it. Like, it's honestly a miracle that game got good reviews if some people are speeding through it that fast because like, I would have hated it. It's insane. Because I like moseyed in it, you know, just like enjoyed that fucking atmosphere. It also, it feels like a game that like resists speed. Oh, for like, the sure. The does not want to move It's like, move don't fast. even fucking run or you're going to get thrown in jail or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah or like, like you're going to punch somebody on accident. Yeah, and then you're like, and then you're like wanted and you're like, oh shit. That is yeah. like, I wish I, I wish we did get some of that sort of like discourse around like the the meta narrative that happens in terms of like opportunity cost of people reviewing that game. Cause it's like, if you actually go to jail 
in Red Dead, it like has this actual effect potentially on the length of time you're playing the game such that like your actual in-game jail time maps to your inability to actually maybe properly deliver something on time. So it's this whole sort of like level of like, fuck, like I got to finish this hunt up really fast and, you know, feed Arthur to make sure he doesn't die. Cause if he dies and I lose like 20 minutes of play time and I got to get this review out in an hour. Wait, if you go to jail, you like, you have to, it takes longer. Well, I'm just saying like in terms of how, like you because mean, the like, game is about stuff? sort of simulate. No, no, I just mean like more like conceptually, like because Red Dead is a game that's about like simulating kind of life and like living to some degree, the way that the actions in that game that like set you back, if you're on a timeline that's aligned with you also finishing the game, like getting set back in the game maps directly to your like own personal real life ability to deliver on something. I mean, that happens like a all weird the sort time of... with reviewing games. Like you get stuck on something. There's no guides you can look up to. You don't know like who else in the industry is like reviewing it. So it's like, and it's, like feels weird. Like I, I did it like once where I asked someone for help and I ended up figuring it out before they could even respond to my DM. But it's like, there's yeah. Getting stuck in a game sucks when you're reviewing a game because there's like nothing you can do. And it's like, I've not, luckily never had a point where I'm like, I cannot finish this game. The one time where I guess it technically did happen was like, I was like struggling through Cuphead, like pre-embargo. And then I lost my save file. Like I had lost like hours and hours and hours of progress. Like I was on the second world or whatever. And like, I lost my save progress and I was like pissed. And I was like, I'm just not going to, I like told like my coworkers straight up, like, yeah, I'm not going to play all that again. Like, that's just not going to happen. I'll write a thing about cuphead but i cannot review this game because i straight up lost my save progress and like i'm lucky that i have understanding coworkers. like i know there's some places that would like f- make you push through it again you know um but i'm lucky and that game wasn't like super high priority anyway to cover so it wasn't that big of a deal but you know getting stuck in games fucking sucks when you're reviewing it we talked about that with like sekiro a little bit too how it was like some people are gonna beat this boss on like the third try some people are gonna have to like take three hours beating this one boss like i took a lot of time on some bosses but if you're just good at souls games or if you're good at sekido like it's just going to be a quicker thing for you and um yeah i think that like also affects the way that people review games but you also have to think about the fact that like different people review different games i mean i feel like we've talked about this a lot on this show which is like how people review games like just the fact that every person who reviews it's going to be a little bit different and especially when the game has different stuff that you're doing like and you're experiencing the game in a different way than somebody else might um that's just like something that you kind of have to expect like there's no one central main normal experience that someone's going to have playing a game it's going to differ wildly depending on the person um and that's just always important to keep in mind um not just when you're playing games but also when you're like reading a review you know what i'm saying like something i think a lot of people just forget because they think like total biscuit beats every game in fucking 10 minutes or whatever. Um, but that's just not necessarily the way that it works. I haven't heard that name in ages. <laughs> oh, wait. What? Oh, did I miss some yeah. drama? Didn't he pass away? Hey, he died. Oh yeah. That was it. I forgot about that. Yeah. I mean, either way, it's still, I'm not making fun of the dude. I'm just saying it's just, just naming an, <laughs> Yeah, Excuse no, I was me. like, no, why haven't I heard thing. that R.I.P. name in a while? And then to the biscuit. Oh, um, that's why. Um, anyway. there was like, I think there was, 
Yeah. There was a lot of drama when, when he... Yeah, he I mean, but, he was kind of... Yeah, it was a different dude, kind. But, you know, it was whatever. A, <laughs> it was a different kind of drama. Um, <laughs> just the first, like, YouTube video game guy that comes yeah. to mind when it comes to, like, talking about That's true. Games. I mean, he was, like, one of the first ones ever. The Ur so, streamer. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, are we, do we want to talk more about Jedi's Week? I think... Uh, uh, yeah, I don't... Like, uh, I played some Oculus stuff when that embargo came up already so i could talk about that uh i played this cool kayaking game where you sit in a kayak and you're like you're like it's like a stealth action game like splinter cell so you kind of like suss out your environments but you're in a kayak the whole time and it's a quest game so there's no wires there's no bullshit and it's kind of like paddle around but then you also have guns you can pick up and it's all very like tactical and simple and i found it like a lot of fun even though it's like a very straight Lace, like super serious like military action stealth game but it's so <laughs> fucking funny just paddling around and just like okay i'm gonna shoot this like light and then i'm gonna shoot this person when they're out of sight and i'm like trying to plan my whole route and i found that stuff really fun and that's coming out later this year for quest and rift s i believe uh and that was pretty do you know cool. what it's called oh god it had a very generic name it's like kayak quest it's like shadow covert ops i think i think that's the name it's like the most like it does not lean into being a kayak game and you never leave a kayak you're just in that fucking kayak robros yeah right there's like so many i'm kind of bummed they didn't like take advantage of like the clever concepts with the name because i like that's like you know do you remember when the um the nintendo ds came out and like every launch title had a like a a ds uh, subheading. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like Advance Wars, Dual Strike, yeah. Castlevania, Dawn of Sorrow. I was like, even Kingdom great. Hearts 3DS did that. It's like Kingdom Hearts Dream Chain Drop of Distance. Drop Distance. Oh yeah, oh, 3D that's good. Dream that's good. But that's not that's DDD. But it's like it's like the 3D. 3D. It has a 3D in the name. It's like Kingdom Hearts oh, 3D. That was a 3D. That's distance. a 3DS. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like literally um, like. They thought yeah. about it. They're like, we don't want to just put 3DS in the name of this. We gotta be clever. So let's just put some random ass words that we put in a generator <laughs> in here. Let's start with Dude, like I gotta say, I want to go back to the quest because I actually got one um, basically the day it came out. I pre-ordered one and I got one. And so I am actually, I'm a lapsed Vive owner. I had, a, I got a Vive like launch day um, and sold it last Christmas. So I was, didn't play. I was like, wasn't playing a lot of VR, and I was like, well, like I, it'd be nicer. I'm, it's it's just collecting dust. I get I sold it to a friend who's using it now, and I was like, thought I'd be done with like kind of consumer VR for a bit, even though my company that I work for, um, we do VR stuff. But I was like, in terms of my own life, I'm like, nah, I'm kind of I'm gonna out for a little bit. But like the quest got announced. And then I started looking into it and I was like, this could be really interesting. And it was like cheapish. It's like $300. Um, whereas like the fucking OG vibe was $900. So this felt like Oof. a fucking steal. Um, and I, I got it. it. And it's like, it's a fucking game changer, y'all. It is I like. I want one. I want dude. one hell it is, bad after playing it. Yeah. I was like, it's I It's seriously want this like, <laughs> I got to lower my mic levels right now because it is. It's like, so it's so it's a thing where I was before. My like biggest um, gripe, not like gripe, but like my biggest question about VR, even as someone who's like literally working in VR, right? And it's like got your an life. Emmy, 
Yeah. Got an Emmy for a VR project. Like, damn, you got to plug do that in. Doing VR stuff. Emmy the, My thing was like, I don't know how, I didn't know how to like make it so that VR like fit into my life. Mm-hmm. Like every time I wanted to do VR, it felt like a fucking event. Yeah, I was right. like, gotta, I gotta like, turn on my computer. On. Gotta make sure my sensors are good. Gotta pull out my headset. Gotta like plug all this shit in. Gotta like put it on. Gotta, oh, room's uncut. Recalibrate the room. And it was like, you know, it was like, as if it was set up you know not a ton of time but like if it wasn't like fully set up it was at least like a 30 minute lead time which is like just long enough to make it so that you just lose all interest in actually playing the thing before you actually start and then when you played stuff it was like kind of underwhelming because a lot of the stuff you could play was like oh it's fine but like it's it's not like fine for eight like nine hundred dollars fine it's it'd be good if this game was like four dollars and i paid ten dollars for this headset (laughs) and it's like it was this sort of thing I mean, not that's, yeah, it wasn't supposed to be that low, but like it was definitely the sort of thing where even like having a headset, I was like, I don't know when to play VR and like the fucking quest, man, is like next level. So like, like Katie said, totally wireless, um, no sensors, uh, but six degrees of freedom, which basically means you can walk around in space. So the Oculus Go or like the cardboard is what's called three off, three degrees of freedom which essentially means that you get rotational. Like if you're tilting your head around, you can, um, that translates into the headset. But like if you walked 10 feet forward in an Oculus Go, you would look like you're in the same place in your space. You wouldn't actually move forward. Um, This is the whole thing that made the initial vibe different from the Oculus, which was that the vibe was like room scale, which means you could walk around and the rift was like stationary. And the fucking quest basically makes it be room scale but like wireless like the go um which means that you can basically do it anywhere uh like anywhere so i got it literally so there's no like boundaries like electric you have to like set, set a boundary yourself, yeah oh okay. you set the boundaries because that still matters just for your room it's more but it's almost more like i think in the the way the boundary works is basically it's more of a thing to show you when you're close to edges the boundaries mm. actually define a play space what well, kind right. of does but but anyways, like the way I don't want to get into tracking, but basically like the way the headset on the quest works, it the headset itself is doing the tracking. Whereas on the old Rift and Vive, the headset was basically getting tracking position from the sensors that you put inside your room. Right. So it's just like a different approach to this like computer vision algorithm, blah, blah, blah. But anyways, like you could literally like take it out of the box, put it on, draw a little circle around you and do VR in like two minutes. Like no computer, no anything. You just fucking set it up and just do it. And like, it was, it, it was just fucking insane one, because dude. we like literally like got it brought into my kitchen. I was like making dinner and I like looked down to like chop cucumbers and Rebecca had like set up the quest and was like playing Beat Saber in like two minutes. That's so and then like nuts. this weekend we were out of town and we just, I was like, oh, I'll bring it up to my friend's house. And I like packed my clothes through the quest and the controllers in a bag and then like went up there and then took it out of the bag drew a boundary and then was like playing beat saber it's like it's like got that sort of like thing where instead of me having to feel like i have to fit vr into my life because it's this whole fucking event it's like super it's just so seamless i can just pull it out do it put it away and it's done there's no extra like finicky bullshit it just works and it feels like when people thought about what vr was like going to be for the last like few years this feels like the first real step in that direction where it's like there's like some compromises in terms of the thing it's like it's not (laughs) 
It basically runs like a mobile chip, so it's not like the best graphics. But like, fuck I feel man, like I was it playing Beat fine, Saber. Like, it I, looks yeah, fine. It looks totally. I fine. was like playing Beat Saber at like you know ninety frames a second, like fucking slicing it up to KDA, and it was fucking great. Like no, like just it just worked. You're talking no about lag, the resolution like, of the screen. It's great. It's actually it's higher than the old yeah, Rift because like it uses the, the same one. screen tech as the new Rift S. Hmm. So it's like it's fucking great. It's just good. Yeah. Damn it, dude! You're making me. Monobus. it's good it's, crazy. it's like i don't know why anyone I, would get the rift s now honestly it's like also the like i see like on such steam, a better idea i'm yeah. seeing like games on steam for vr and i'm like damn this looks like fun dude like this would be fun to play on vr but then it's like shit i don't have a vr thing and then i started looking at the quest and i was like this looks pretty good but yeah. i haven't heard much but about so the, it the downside the thing the quest, about the quest yeah it's very limited. yeah, you might, you yeah. Say it, Katie. i was gonna say it's like a very limited library right now which is why i'm holding um, uh yeah brace and i've been like talking about maybe selling our playstation vr because we never fucking use it it's such a hassle just to like turn it on and get it working like even though we have it all plugged in our entertainment center it's just like such a nuisance to get started whereas the quest is literally just like you gotta make sure it's charged it has like a few hours of battery life which is like short yeah. but also when are you in vr for longer than a couple hours anyway so it's like i don't see that bothering me um i mean yeah i will say though that it's not just that it's a limited library so the difference between like the quest and the rift is that the quest is literally like a different so basically the quest is an onboard computer that's doing all the stuff and the rift basically connects to your computer so if you have a big fucking beastie gaming machine like you're gonna have that sort of fidelity whereas like the rift is more like a traditional console in a sense mm -hmm. where you basically have to directly target the quest so it's not like a one-to-one -one. like if something is on oculus normal or vive it's not going to work on the quest by default someone has to actually make it for the quest so like mm. beat saber is like not it's not like one to it's not the same beat saber it's like one that's got a little less graphical effects they've done some other stuff to kind of like smooth it out a little bit so what people are doing is that they're kind of starting to port stuff to the quest and doing that um so it's not that you can't like play every vibe game mm. the quest is basically what i'm saying is the quest is not a headset or just a headset it's like its own sort of target it's almost like so, a peripheral rather than like a monitor base or like I, a. uh yeah kind of, i would consider it's more like think of it more like a game boy like you have mm -hmm. to basically target a game boy to make a game boy game like but if you have, if you have psp the game is not just going to work on game boy so it's a kind of a similar thing so you sorry so you plug it in your computer and you don't plug it in zero plug in so you it has its own store and everything. It's got its yeah. own like so, UI and stuff inside. Also, of it. the downside so is there's no separate it's chip, which is kind of like a, a a bummer thing. Like with the Switch, you can plug in a memory card or whatever, like a little SD card, but they don't have that option from what I've heard with the Quest, which is kind of a bummer because it's like I think the base model sixty four, and the higher tier, the more expensive versions like double that or some shit. I don't know. What, yeah i mean the thing the thing though with that is that because it's essentially like a mobile architecture mm. computer like the games are pretty small like oh. beat saber is like okay. one gig or two gigs or something oh, so okay. that makes it's like it's, it's enough space yeah yeah it's definitely not like beat saber 20 gigs yeah. it's it's a thing where that's a, it's like basically people are essentially making high-end mobile games for it and so mm it's like it's more of a challenge for developers so i think what's going to happen i mean even stuff that's like you can see people who did a better job like there's a version of rec room that's on it that runs kind of like shit mm. compared to like beat saber or like super hot so some stuff kind of like works better um 
But yeah, so it's oh, totally shit. standalone. Yeah. Superhot VR mm. is so fucking good. So yeah. fucking good. <laughs> Damn. And now it's on a quest. You can just yeah, play it. I know. Man, it's, I it's, 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 like a, it's essentially like a standalone VR console. Yeah. Full stop. That's like, what? yeah, like I, like what you described about like bringing that to you, your friend's house and just so easily like just pulling it out. Like I'd love to Whip like bring out. that to my parents' house, you know, and like just show it yeah. in VR and be like, this is fucking nuts. Because, like, well, they've like never on... been able to try it before, you know? They know, like, the Google Cardboard type VR, which is not really VR. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's super sick. Well, speaking of Quest, um, I played SteamWorld Quest. <laughs> oh, so that's like, oh, are we going to a... a Dragon Quest conversation? Yeah, damn. What a transition. Yeah, wow. thanks, guys. Um, that's the card game, right? Card. Yeah, card Steam it's the new SteamWorld card thing. And I, I, at first, I was like... Okay, this is cool. It's like, I don't know if you've ever played SteamWorld. <laughs> well, on, Josh, I have to cut you off. You have to, you have to first set the stage in which you discovered this game, because Josh was like manically on Discord, just being like, "I gotta find a new game to play, guys." <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had a new game. I'm like, you were struggling. Honestly, you I ever... relate to that. I have not played a new game in a long time. I had a, a lot of time. those moments where you know when you open the fridge and you're like, <laughs> "Yeah, that's, you have a, that's lot like of food a good in way there, to but you're it. like." <laughs> <sighs> nah you're like i don't want this i don't want cheese i don't want to i don't want chicken i don't, I don't want, want leftovers i don't want this stuff and you look in there you got a lot of options but you don't feel like eating any of it none of it's good none of it's popping out to you that's what my steam library has been for a couple months now <laughs> and so what i've been doing is i'll play hearthstone and it's like you know it, it gets the job done you just got a new expansion it's pretty good uh, speaking of which, new Hearthstone expansion, um, Rise of Shadows has been great. If you have been looking for a chance to get back into that game, now might be a good time. It's it's good. It's very good right now. Um, but I was like, what? A, you know, what? A, what do I got here? And so Steam World Quest came up, and I looked at it for it on Steam, which is whenever I hear about a game, I always look it up on Steam. <laughs> And then if it's not on there, I just assume it's not out yet. So Steam was like, <laughs> it's out, it's like out other on like May 31st or whatever. But Steam was coming out later than Switch. So I was on my Switch and I just, I haven't looked at my Switch in a while because I don't know why, but I'll just leave my Switch for a while. And then I like take it off of the thing and it still has battery. And I'm like, oh, like I forgot how easy this thing is to use. And then I'll like look at the game store and then get like two games or whatever <laughs> that I want to play on Switch. So I looked on there and Steam World Quest was on there. And I was like, what? Like, it's already out on Switch. <laughs> so I bought it and I started playing it. It's a pretty good game. Um, I don't know if you ever played a Steam World game before. I played Steam World. I Dig. played Dig 2. Yeah. Dig I played... 2 has some really good music. I've Dig never played one... Steam World game before that. And I was like, yeah. So the. Steam World games, it's like, it's pretty good. Like, it it's very like easy to snack on. It's like it's more like yeah. the Lay's, like the Lay's classic potato chip. Oh, as opposed to like yeah, a not jerky. Not me on this game it's or Dorito. Fun. It's like a Dur- you know, know any chip that you pop like, for an extended period the of time. These salt and vinegar chips I have yeah. right here. You know, there you go. Oh, yeah, yeah. Salt and wow, you right straight up lays. Whatever your pick your poison, chips, whether it's salt and vinegar chips, regular lays. I personally love the regular lays potato chips. Oh, I, no, I only do ruffles. satisfying crunch. I only fuck They're with ruffles. Nice and oily, and the salt is really well. Only kettle there. cooked. 
Well, oh, kettle's good. Kettle's, cooked for, kettle's good for plain chips. I agree. Josh, tell me about SteamWorld Quest. <laughs> anyway, so SteamWorld Quest is like that, where it's like it's like the potato chip, where you keep on munching, munching, munching. You, it's empty like junk food calories, but you're, it's still fun. And then by the time you know it, the game's over, and you're like, "Whoa, what the hell?" So this is like, this is a card game quote mm-hmm. in quotes card game but really it's like it's really just a fucking turn-based rpg that uses where the options for what you can do on a given turn are card represented by cards instead of like attack item whatever you know like that's really the only difference and that really shows to me um in the fact that and this is fucking so annoying about this game and i don't really want to play it anymore because it this fact has become so annoying where it's like you'll get to a, a fight and it's really really fucking hard but it's because like the boss has an elemental weakness um and an element like elemental strengths and then they have like specific like debuffs on your characters that they'll do so they'll like confuse you or they'll put you to sleep but the thing is if you want to address that you have to build a deck that has cards to counter that so you have to lose to the boss first and then put like if the boss is weak to ice you have to put like fire stuff in your deck and if the boss is confusing you you have to put the like moves in your deck that like deconfuse your characters or whatever so that fucking sucks yes it's so annoying That's so dumb the deck building is just like oh just put in the cards that the boss does and then That's so dumb you, i dude it is like it wasn't like that at first um but when i got to this point where now like to get further in the game i just have to do address the elemental shit and the fucking debuffs i'm like i'm fucking done dude this is (laughs) bullshit like i'm i'm getting pissed like because i i'm used to slay the spire and I, i it's probably not that fair to compare this game to something like slay the spire because it's not like a roguelike it's working in a little bit of a different thing but just the fact that deck building is like less interesting than shit that you're going to find in a jrpg is like a massive opportunity squandered to me there feels like very little inventiveness with the way that you build decks and the way that you like maximize your damage output and all that stuff anyway i know how we feel about card games in here that shit is annoying but the first like that is a bummer few hours pretty cool pretty cool game but uh <laughs> how much is this it? shit uh, I, don't, I don't remember i just dude can press buy <laughs> the thing Damn. that's interesting about this is like i like we've talked a lot about like i don't actually know if we've really talked about this but like kind of how like dark souls is becoming a genre and like battle royales are a genre like i feel like slay the spire likes are becoming a thing and i say that not just because of steam world quest um but also i was at the nyu game center student showcase last week and like this other dude this student just full-on ripped slay the spires design but put it in like egypt and i've seen some other stuff that kind of looks Mm. similar but it feels like it's a game that's like resonated so big that we're going to start seeing some like gen 2 slay the spire things because it's like it seems like it really hit sort of nerd or like design space that people are really interested in pursuing i also feel like people are just really into digital card games and want to bring that to new genres like what slay the spire did you know like i i think it's like probably partially that but i also think it's partially it's also like people i grew up now playing hearthstone for years or playing magic before that or even pokemon trading cards like when they're like super kids like i feel like it's kind of like 
wanting to bring that hobby into like more tradition like or not traditional because that's still game design but you know like more like uh accessible game design if that makes sense right 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 i think there's like a couple things to me that are going on with this which is that i think roguelike is it meshes with card games really 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 well as a format because roguelike is all about defeating this closed circuit of like procedural challenges that are in front of you and deck building is like you you know you min max to try to create the most broken interactions that you possibly can and just the fact that you have this playground that slay the spire gave you to kind of flex that and and, and use it in a, in a in a space that's like pve is was really really fucking cool and that's what was cool about slay the spire even if you had a deck where everything just freaking fell down in front of you because your deck was so strong you'd be done in like an hour and it was like dang that deck was awesome i got to play with it for a little while and like i'll remember that run for a while and then the next um the next run you'll try something completely different or you'll get a boss that like counters your deck build um and so like that kind of thing is really really cool about the roguelike when it comes to deck building games and the other thing is that i think slay the spire opened up a lot of space in terms of like how we think about card games i mean i know that there have been other games that have done this in the past hearthstone being a big one which is that the way that you interact with cards in a digital space, and maybe even Cultist Simulator would fall under this too, but the way that you interact with cards in a digital space has been something that has not really been very well executed in the past, I think. If I think of like Yu-Gi-Oh! and like all these cards, there's a lot of like cursors, there's a lot of like selecting individual cards in and windows and building decks and all this stuff. Hearthstone slay the spire made that stuff like really tactile and really easy and it feels good it feels almost physical because they really put a lot of work into making it like a tactile experience and um say what you will about slay the spire's art which is pretty bad but it (laughs) feels feels very good to play and it's it it's like it almost feels like i've said this before about slay the spire but it almost feels like you're playing like a hack and slash at times because it feels so tactile um and because it does move so quickly and like at such a brisk pace it doesn't oh it doesn't really feel like you're playing a quote card game and i think like those two things open up card games a lot to the point where it's like oh wow like you can do so much more with these things than we initially thought like playing Yu-Gi-Oh, whatever the fuck game you're playing where it's like like i have to click down on the d-pad 30 times to get to the card that i want and then play it in defense mode and shit all that stuff is like out the window and that's like the way that we have traditionally thought about digital card games and it's cool that we're like moving on from that and i think it opens up like a lot of space to think about that stuff in new ways thank you yeah yeah (laughs) Um, i think i mean i think it's it's also funny because like i think it's also like the the video game and like the board game space have never like been meshed very well but i think what's interesting about the card game stuff is that like um like the guy who like made slay the spire was like the moderator of a netrunner community which is like this really famous Mm -hmm. big card game that like was designed by richard garfield designer of magic etc 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 and then like that happened that was happening at the same time like Hearthstone was happening and then kind of like Slay the Spire ends up being this sort of weird confluence of like Hearthstone designy digital stuff plus like clearly inspired by a lot of like Netrunner 
uh, types of mechanics that kind of birth this sort of like new thing that other people are still kind of like living in the wake of. Um, so I wonder if it has to do with like the sort of rise of other kind of competitive card games in the landscape that aren't just magic or something that's kind of getting at the sort of rising interest at whatever reason of people playing these sorts of digital card games stuff. Even like Artifact was sort of like, obviously it didn't do well, but like it, it kind of came out as well. People are clearly interested in like re re-examining the space of digital card games because there's still there's stuff there like kind of what josh is talking about yeah um and that being said steam world quest only if you're like big into this kind of shit and you like like more of the jrpg vibe if you're looking for more of like the card experimentation deck building stuff maybe not for you um but if you like addressing elemental weaknesses um Oh, then man. this is your this is gonna be your jam let me tell you Talk that dirty big me. time <laughs> like yeah i have already talked enough shit about this but anyway i also played katana zero which is Ooh. hype i've AF. heard i've heard really good things about this game uh, that was the ninja i game, might get right? it before e3 yeah. so i can like play on the flight because i'm like really curious Yes, uh, I think it's on Switch too. Yeah, it is on Switch. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. This would be yeah. very good to play on Switch. I played it on Steam with an, my old Xbox 360 controller. That's what I use. Old um, reliable. Old faithful. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this game, I have lots of thoughts about this game. Um, I think that the gameplay is good. The gameplay is very good. <laughs> um, people have compared it to. Uh, hotline miami where it's like you have to kind of size up the situation as it's happening in front of you and um execute perfectly um and if you don't then you're just gonna die and uh like so you know what you got to do you know how to do it and then you just got to execute it and um that's you know that's that's dope it's you're it's like a hack and slash uh where you can slow down time hack and slash like slash platformer ish 2d side scrolling type thing um and uh the animations are cool the art is really cool it's like this cyberpunk samurai type thing going on but what i thought was really cool about this game was the storytelling itself the writing i thought was like pretty damn good i really yeah well there was like some parts of the writing that i thought were good and some parts that i thought were not so good which was i thought that the writing itself like the words and syntax and um, the way that it was put together was really cool. I thought that there was like some kind of cheesy stuff with like the art and like there was like a little bit of like on the nose themes and shit like that. But um, there was a lot of really inventive storytelling stuff that goes on in this game that really, really surprised me. Um, for instance, like, like, for instance, like one cool thing that they do is that the way that every level works is that it is, it's as if, uh, it's like you're looking through a camcorder at like the space. And when you die, um, well, essentially what's happening as you play through the level is like your character is like imagining what he's going to do when he goes through the space. And then, um, And then when you die, he's like, no, that that's not going to work because it's like, OK, like if you have you ever seen those like Shao Shao, um, like stick 
death animations yeah, yeah, yeah. back oh, in the day yeah. where it was like oh if i throw the knife he'll deflect it and that, like it shows like the thing that would happen that would lead to you dying and then the character does it so it's like you're weighing out all the failed ways to go through a space and then you do the correct one like that's essentially what's happening in this game um that's like you know that's that's just like a small thing that frames all the levels that i think is really cool but they use that kind of storytelling like throughout the game um and they do that kind of thing in ways that like really really surprises you there's a lot of jump cuts in this thing there's a lot of like not chronological storytelling uh that has to do with the stuff stuff going on in the plot there's um yeah it's a pretty like mature plot that involves like a drug called chronos um take from that which you will time related (laughs) yes it's time related um but they do but they use it to do like cool stuff with like storytelling there's like a sort of philip k dickian vibe to it where it's like that getting lost in the like what's real and what's not real you'll like replay some scenes like an uncomfortable amount of times there's like it's really really nuts there's some crazy shit that happens in this game there's also some really brutal shit like this game gets real freaking brutal especially for the fact that it's pixel graphics Mm. like it gets grisly and you're like wow how did they make me feel this uncomfortable using pixel graphics (laughs) like that um but yeah i I think that sounds uh, very Hotline Miami-ish, just like yeah. in general, because that's also a very heavy game, like narratively, especially. It's too. definitely it's really like influenced by it. I would say it's much less, um, like abstract and like edge lordy. Yeah, maybe cynical yeah. would be the way to put it. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a directorial. Like I feel like Hotline Miami is very like Nicholas. Uh, what's his name? Kyle, Nicholas want the dude who did drive Nicholas oh winding Revan. 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 Yeah. yeah sorry i i only asked kyle because i'm just trying Shake to make sure he's head. paying attention <laughs> <laughs> i was talking about the, like that nicholas that made hotline miami no nicholas like, uh... Revan. um but like hot my hotline miami has a like attitude about it this game is less like I don't want to say pretentious, but it's it's less like that vibe. In your it's face, that, yeah, less yeah. like hipstery vibe, yeah. for lack of a better word. But you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um. Uh. Man, but I kind of like, me like how it. good Hotline Miami Two is, and everyone hated it for some reason. Like, oh, I never played it. Like, now that I think about it, so good. Huh. It's like Hotline Miami is such like a weird fucking game because yeah. it's like it feels like it was like a dream like it's weird Y'all that like two. yeah two's fucking batshit story-wise uh okay. also breaking news is pokemon Co- Paris conference is about to start so i'm gonna be watching it while we're recording oh shit i have it muted in another tab what is the pokemon so if i look like i'm not looking at you guys it's because i'm watching this pokemon press conference uh it's i don't know they announced it yesterday they're like it's like about the new games, yeah, right? Yeah, they're doing a pokemon press conference tonight and then next wednesday they're doing a pokemon sword and shield nintendo direct which is really weird because then their e3 nintendo directs the week after so they're just fucking piling it on getting all the pokemon out of the way and then leaving e3 for animal crossing or whatever the fuck else <sighs> so excited Nintendo's it'll probably be a lot of fire emblem honestly i can see them doing a lot of fire emblem because that's like out in a month and they haven't showed much from it so i can see them doing a big but this direct is like 
this direct is about Pokemon. The, right? Yeah, the Wednesday direct. That's like that'd be like a standard direct. This is like a weird literal press conference. There's a stage. There are Pokeballs flying at the screen right now. Whoa! Uh, there's a grid. It's a Pokemon oh, they're talking Go about. They're gonna, I was like, they're probably gonna talk about Pokemon Go because it looked like they showed the Earth. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. This guy's walking on the stage. I hope there's subtitles on this because I just muted. Some people still go if ham. Not, for I'm just Pokemon gonna guess Go, what they're the saying. My cousin does. There's like my cousin is like fucking go great. Man. Detective P- Pikachu was fun. I don't know. No, no, I'm just saying people go ham for Pokemon Go. Like that, there's still like a strong contingent of people that just like my coworkers are, still play it a lot. Like they're like really like they still play it consistently. Oh shit! There's no subtitles. What am I gonna do? Uh, uh, just gonna have to read the tweets from that guy who's got the One Punch Man avatar on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I think he changed. That was it, an inside uh, baseball joke. Nibble, nibble, nibble. Yeah, that nibble. guy. That guy. Anyway, uh, let's get back on track, y'all. This guy is talking. I can't hear shit. So I've been Katana playing. Zero. Yeah, Katana Zero sounds really cool. Everyone mm-hmm. should play Hotline Miami too. Underrated game. Everyone hated it because. In the first game, right, like, you collect masks, and that was, like, the big thing is, like, the masks would give you different abilities. And 2 does not have that. It's, like, a bunch of vignettes of stories. So, like, each level or each character's vignette has, like, different abilities. But it's, like, all very stuck to that character. So I think people didn't like that, like, lack of freedom. But the story's, like, really good and, like, really weird. And I it goes like places. For, for me, it was, like, I just didn't need a 2. Like I was like, yeah, I, I, I did. I felt the same way, but two was like, like well, honestly, you know, really was way better than I expected it to be. And then everyone was like, it shit. And I was like, no, but <laughs> I had a great time. Uh, and yeah. they did interesting stuff. The story that I didn't expect. And that's why I liked it. It like kind of like went in the direction I didn't anticipate, which is well, what Katana zero does that do. as well. I am actually going <laughs> to, I'm very interested in checking out hotline Miami two now. Um, but uh, Katana it's probably like one dollar on Steam or something. Yeah, yeah. and it's like pretty. <laughs> like it's super cheap. It's like in every bundle. Short every bundle. too. Yeah. Katana Zero is pretty short too, so nice. I recommend it. It's kind of bite sized You can play it in little sittings. How long? Like a few hours? Five oh. hours? Six hours? Ten? Feel K Zero here. How long to beat.com? <laughs> four Go. hours. I have four hours in it. And nice. you're done, or you're not almost. It's done? oh yeah, I completed it. Oh, yeah. okay. That's short awesome. game. Yeah. Be yeah. short. I'll definitely get that for E3 then for my flight. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. I haven't been playing anything. So that's kind of where my life's at. <laughs> Uh-oh. That's so. fine. I, I've, been, I was, I've been playing a game I can't talk about yet, but it's like very small spurts. I haven't been playing oh, anything okay. serious. I, I got back into Black Ops, so I guess that's something <laughs> that has happened to me. <laughs> is I Technically... Am, Somehow back into Black Ops, which I, I just know caught how observation. Oh, oh, I heard mixed and things. That looks hype. I'm trying to play that. It does Ju- look hype. But friend I just of the show things. Julie Muncie said it's probably one of her games of the year. Dave. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm trying to check that out. Um, I, it looks really cool to me. So like hearing yeah, one person it sounds, say that it was yeah, good, yeah, it sounds really cool. I'm, I'm trying. But to my coworker out. who reviewed it said it was just very frustrating to play. Mechanically, Uh-oh. and I was like, oh, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's gonna be one of those games I just get on sale one day, and then I'm like, this is kind of cool, or this maybe wasn't cool. They're yeah. talking about Detective Pikachu on the stream, and I know because they just showed Detective Pikachu, and that's that's your latest <sighs> update on the Pokemon mm-hmm. press conference. Is uh Ryan Reynolds gonna come out? No, it's a, a man from Toho. 
the film oh. producer. That's uh, that's Ryan Reynolds. Uh, why don't they have <laughs> subtitles in the stream? Not everyone can like just. I feel like you're in the biz. You should just learn Japanese. By I now. honestly like I've considered it because it would be very helpful. You know, I could do interviews without any interpreter. You know, it's like yep. Tim Rogers knows Japanese. Yeah, yeah look where he's at. Oh yeah, Nibel's not like tweet Wario maybe Wario sixty four. All right. Anyway. Oh yeah. Let's carry on with this podcast. So I'm not just like really. Kyle. Kyle. Oh man, I want to talk about the play date but i need to use the restroom so let's take a break okay come back okay, that's actually a good idea about... all right all right pause later Okay, we're back. Thank you, everybody, for bearing with me through my restroom break. It's always good to hear that. That's the Persona theme, right? Persona yep, 3? Yep. Yeah. Or it's not the theme. It's, it's like, like a song. Music fr- it's, it's like just from, a song. It's one of the like area music things. Yeah. You know, I mean. Well, it's been a minute since we did a break, so I felt like not only did I have to relieve myself, but I think the viewers might have been hurting for... Just it's weird that you decide to frame that as a bathroom break because, like, you mostly spent that time eating pizza. <laughs> That's not true. Damn. What are you talking about? Yeah. Damn. The majority yeah. of that. Listen, I did. I, I, I spent it watching break. a he's, press conference. His so, selling angle is just weird on that one. It's weird. Um, but speaking of selling stuff, before the break, I mentioned that. Ooh, it's thundering. Uh, maybe this is a song. Well, that's fun. Um, the so you guys might well, have seen. Wait, wait, sorry. Breaking news: Pokemon transforms sleeping into entertainment. That's the headline I just saw in the press. I don't conference. even know what that means. I don't know what that means either. They show Pikachu sleeping next to a kid. But speaking <laughs> oh, of s- small yellow what? things, um, you guys might have seen this past week that uh, this company called Panic, who, if you're a developer that used Mac. In the last 15 years, you probably know them. They made like a lot of kind of like uh, really good software applications. So like software meant for developing applications on Mac. They They're made like the um, Transit. Transit. Yep. yep. They made Transit and they made uh, Tower, which is a Git client. If you use Git, which is a source control thing. Um, but anyways, they announced that they are making this like handheld game console called, uh, the play date. Uh, it is actually really exciting for my opinion. It's, um, there's a few things that are really cool about it. First, it's like, basically it's a, it's a handheld portable game console by a company. That's not like Sony, Microsoft or Nintendo. Um, they've already announced that they're kind of collaborating with kind of like you know, the designers to do um, some cool games for it. So people like Kira Takahashi, uh, who did Katamari, Damacy, and I think they announced like Zach Gage, who's made a lot of uh, mm-hmm. popular mobile games, and then a few other people. Um, it's also in collaboration, the, d- the device itself is in collaboration with Teenage Engineering, 
who I am a big fan of for their synthesizers, but also like they're just a really fucking cool company. Actually today, weirdly enough, they announced a synthesizer that they're doing in collaboration with um, Rick and Morty, Rick and Morty, which is fucking. Yeah, so weird. They just like do shit that they want to do. And I really respect that. Um, And so it's cool. They're working with this company to like kind of make these games. And so I think that the general premise is that you. Oh, and the the thing, the other thing about this thing that is weird is that um, in addition to having like a standard Game Boy like D-pad and like AB buttons, it also has a crank on the side as like a controller input so not to charge it or anything but it's literally it's a crank you it's like a weird sort of tactile physical controller thing that will control parts of games um this is something i've wanted to do for years is crank while gaming i've always wanted to crank you can crank that there's gonna definitely be a crank that game that's gonna happen oh baby soldier (laughs) boy collab soldier oh my god yeah yeah it's gonna happen what are you um, doing if you're not cranking it while gaming? You know what I'm saying? That's true. Folks. That's very true. Yeah. So Number this shit was like, point. it was cool. I think there's so many. So this, so if my tone feels like it's uh, burying something, it's because like the reception to this thing has been kind of all over the place. Um, I think what first happened was that uh, it was announced and like panic is not a game hype was high and also panic is not a games company so this news actually really kind of like swirled around in terms of at least my own twitter feed like the kind of more tech startup set so it's a lot of people who typically tweet or blog about general tech stuff it was on their radar first um and so it was a thing that like initially everyone was like this is really cool a lot of people who are like, I haven't really played games in a while. I miss playing Game Boy. I don't really care about like consoles. This seems like a fun, cool thing. Um, and then the only like really games thing besides the people that they uh, mentioned that were going to be working on games for it was the fact that Edge Magazine got this kind of exclusive preview for it that presumably is in like stores now. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually really want to pick one up and see what's going on. Uh, but then that was kind of it. But then, like, over the course of the next few days, the discourse kind of, like, shifted um, as it started to hit. As, like, the news started to kind of, like, sink in with the general, like, games blogosphere. Um, and so, like, the first first few things that happened was that, like, someone pointed out, I think it was actually my Phoenix Perry, who's a teacher at NYU Game Center, was one of the first kind of, like, bigger people to point out that, like, the lineup of games... Oh, the lineup of creators that the games had announced were all like essentially men based in America. Um, so that was, and then they were like, it'd be nice if you had kind of a diverse lineup of people. And then that kind of like made some circles. Then people got like mad about that and the way that people get mad about those sorts of things. And then I think that their response to it was like kind of reasonable, but um, I think it is like a weird thing where like you have, and this is related to the second point that I'll make in a second, but I think it is it is very common, I think, in games that everybody that's not in games sees a lot of potential in games. And when they engage with games, they kind of engage with them in a way that feels really transactional, where it's, they're just kind of taking instead of engaging. This is where I think you get stuff like gamification comes from, where like some CEO hears that like video games are really cool and they just want to take stuff from games and assume it's just going to work. Um, video games are addictive how can we make money off of that yeah i also think it's like you get like it's also some of my beef with like games for change or something where like the their approach to thinking about games is kind of divorced from like the reality of games or like 
what it means to work in, in or around games and instead of trying to meet them where they're at, it's kind of asking them to be this thing that fits a sort of mission, um, which is, you know, fine. There's good stuff about that. Um, but so I think that's the first thing that happens is that it kind of comes out that like uh, this, it, it feels like it's kind of like, it, like some what are you getting kind out of here, like, buddy? I'm just, no, it's just like, it's just, it's a weird <laughs> thing where it feels like this sort of company comes in and kind of just like stomps on, they kind of like asserts themselves with like a lot of money and a lot of time and space and like resources to kind of like do a games thing and like not maybe have looked in the right places to figure out how to properly do that. Um, and then the second thing that happened was that, sorry, wait, are you saying yeah. that, that are you saying that panic is that company or that people yeah. have construed that this is colored the way that a lot of people see the play date? I think it's both. I think it's I think okay. it's true that like, yeah, I'll keep going. And then, so the next thing that happened that I think is really kind of like been the the latest evolution of the discourse is that um, so the play date is called the play date, and it came out that there was this um, kind of experimental independent uh, games. Uh, I don't know what you call it. Basically, an exhibition called Play Date that was tacked on to the LA Zine Fest for the past. I think it's like four years that was also called play date and what happened was that uh a few years ago or i don't remember when this email went out basically panic the company who's making this thing called the play date uh sent an email to the people who are um organizing play date which is like an experimental games exhibition to be like hey like we're i'm paraphrasing here um uh which matters in the context of this email was essentially like um hey we're making this thing that uses your name uh play date and you should probably change the name of your thing um which i think like not super i don't think i didn't read it as like super vicious or anything but um as a kind of a result and outcome of that uh natalie lawhead who was a independent games creator who's made a lot of cool stuff she's recently made um this like z maker fun cool toy she's made like i can't remember the stuff she's made the zine maker thing is the newest thing she's done um but basically wrote this going big... to be okay right that's like yeah yeah yeah. that's right game everything's game. going to be okay yeah, yeah yeah um she wrote this kind of big blog post about like essentially how to do with kind of like companies kind of like co-opting experimental game stuff um but specifically her, her main kind of complaint was the way that play date which is this kind of experimental game console that's hiring like theoretically like experimental designers is actually sort of like in a way gentrifying the space of experimental stuff um which was like a kind of an interesting point to make and i don't like fully agree with everything that she was saying but i do think it's true that um what has happened since the announcement of this thing is that uh, i think like as there were optics that kind of looked at uh, the designers that were working on this and then kind of this sort of exchange between like an actual, you know, independent experimental ex game exhibition and like this kind of more corporate-y, the man sort of company taking this away that I think a lot of the, at least in terms of like the game sphere, a lot of the kind of goodwill that Playdate seemed to initially court has started to like erode. Um so it's been like a weird, it's been a weird week for this thing. Um, 
I feel like I have like a lot of I have a lot of thoughts and opinions on it, but I don't know if you guys had after setting all that, you know, up <laughs> what you've been thinking recently yeah. about it. Katie, you go first. over here. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Uh, but I don't. Yeah, like I feel like my my hype was really high because like I love Kata Takahashi, so I feel like anything he's immediately involved with. Cause he makes a bunch of oddball one-off games, like a lot. Like he made like Alphabet, which is like a great. Oh, little yeah. game like teaching tool he made tenya wanya teens which is only toured at like local arcade type things and he's like had his hand not just in doing big games but like just you know fun experimental stuff so i feel like whenever he's involved with something i'm like automatically gonna pay attention and like yeah, teen- yeah teenage engineering also like does really cool stuff like i got my partner uh, one of like the mini things. I can't pocket operators. Called. Pocket operator. I got a pocket operator. That thing's super fun, super user friendly, and has like this cool like analog feel to it. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I yeah, it's it's like a weird thing, right? Because I I feel like I kind of agree with what I've heard, where it's like it is kind of not cool to see this super experimental device. And then have, like, only men creating for it. And mostly white men at that. It's, like, three out of four four of them are white. And that's, like... And they are all based in America. Like, Kato lives in, like, San Francisco, I think. So it's literally... Feels very narrow in scope. And I know they've said that, like... Oh, like, they have, like, a 12-week run-up set up already. And they're already in touch with new developers to, like, have, like, a diverse lineup. But it is kind of telling to not have that be the first people you show off, you know? It's, like, there's plenty of, like big name creators i feel like who are not white men that they could have spotlighted in at in this premiere of this console you know and i think the fact that they did it almost makes me worried you know in retrospect because i feel like the first time i saw it i was like oh this seems cool this is a good lineup and then like when like people are pointing stuff out i was like oh this actually isn't as cool as like the for like the narrative around it like it, it was kind of bumming me out i was like Yes, I I really hope it's not just, you know, Bennett Foddy likes, like, as great as Bennett Foddy's games are, it's like, I want there to be a more diverse type of, right. I mean, pool. so didn't, what's weird about this, too, is that didn't Panic, like, publish over, or Firewatch? Firewatch. They published Firewatch, and they're publishing Untitled Goose Game. So it's like, they've had their hand in video games a little bit. With Firewatch and now Untitled Goose Game, which is like such a weird like two games. Like they're yeah. very, they kind of like hit that same market, right? They're like these like aesthetically really pleasing, a little cheeky, but like mature. You know, I mean, maybe Untitled Goose Game. Well, but, you like, think like Camposanto you know. would be like thinking along those lines of like, hey, who's involved in the, the creation of this game? Who are we consulting with about this stuff? Like, yeah, that totally. That's like, probably like a big thing. It feels weird too. that that stuff got past their radar, but on on the other hand, like, I think the the a big part of the narrative is that it's like panic and this project are being like associated with this like dude bro ish. I feel like I've seen that phrase tossed around, yeah. like tech bro culture, um, which I think you know, based on the evidence, based on what we've seen, seems, you know, pretty fair. Um, and I think like the th- the other thing is that it's like, you got these people who it, it seems to have been like the, the offhanded, like casual, like, let's do a thing nature, the, like thing of like opening up a yeah. bar, like a couple dudes yeah. opening a bar, like, Hey bro, let's open up a bar. We'll call all our buddies and 
and do some drinks and stuff, which, you know, on paper, very cool. Like you, you want, if there's a cool neighborhood bar opening up, that's like a cool thing, but also like it, it's occurring in this experimental game space where usually like to create a game is the opposite of that, where it's like, I'm going to make a Patreon and try to like survive as like a starving artist, you know, with like whatever I can basically get, which is like how a lot of, if you've been involved with this community over the years, that's like how it exists. Basically. It's a lot of people who are like trying to get the most out of what they love and like trying to make a living doing so if they can. And if not like doing other stuff on the side. Um, and for like this company of people who, are coming in and ostensibly creating like the indie game console uh, for that to not like for the community to not be like represented in as vibrant a way as it has expressed itself uh, over the past you know decade and, and plus it it feels like a little bit like yo what you know what's going on here like I, I think that's where like the whole gentrification term comes in and I think that's where like the whole idea of like yo like how come we're not part of this whole thing too like there's so many creators that uh are just not being represented with this thing and i can like see why people are upset about that and you know the thing to me is that um getting mad at people on the internet like is cool and it's fun um but it's like if you if they say like oh shit you're right like we're we made a mistake. We didn't do anything. We, we created this thing in isolation because we were more concerned about like making it a thing than like do executing it perfectly. Um, I feel like we got to have the space to be like, yo, if they show some sense of contrition, if they show that they're going to like do things differently moving forward, if these things are going to be at front of mind as they move into the future, like then, okay, like what else are you going to freaking do about it? And for their part, I think that the panic people do seem to have felt like oh shit yeah you're right like we we screwed up and um just the fact that they have sort of admitted that to me like at least shows that this could be salvageable that something like good that this could be good for the indie gaming community um and i think you know it's probably just because we're still in the middle of the whole flare-up right now but um i think that just in general i want the internet to be not if not a more forgiving place at least a more like let's a constructive place you know what i'm saying yeah. like let's let's like move forward and like fix things and make shit better as opposed to just like let's just say this is worthless not support it like and just like move on because who else is gonna make something like this you know like that's where else like, is this it doesn't come every like every year that's like you know? definitely part of like where i'm at where i'm just like i'm like I, I hear the complaints but i'm also like come on guys come on this is like this is the best we got right now like you we haven't gotten like a independent like cool portable handheld console in like ever that's not been run by like the monopoly i was gonna say the oh yeah like the duopoly of uh like sony and nintendo like fuck like that's let's not like just burn this bridge and say it's totally worthless for these things um I mean, I feel this a lot, like when I talk about like people coming into the game space that like, especially in like the wake of Gamergate, which I still think is like totally still around that like so much of like so many people still see games as like a space that's just kind of like for play and like you go there and play and like 
I'm imagining that like my dad wants to make a video game and like he well, let's say not my let's say like let's say, let's say I have a dad that is like into the military and like you know went to pilot training and like flew airplanes and shit and like wants to make a game about like flying airplanes and like you know having battles in Afghanistan or something and he just wants to do that because he's like it's a cool game and like you release that shit and you invoke all of this sort of stuff about like oh well you can like it's it's like he would get flack about like kind of the setting or like the context of the game because he wasn't like invoking all the sort of sensitivities that the games community i think still feels in the wake of stuff like gamergate that has to do with like both the representation in terms of gender in terms of identity in terms of like culturals and politics and stuff um and i feel like it's super hard for like anybody entering that space to know like how sort of like I say reactionary, but I don't mean it in a negative way, but like reactionary that the community is where everyone is still so primed and raw from all this stuff that like anything that is out of line, that is not like totally perfect, um, gets just fucking thrashed and it sucks. Like even like, I'm, I'm wondering like, even if like, I could still, I could see the same complaints happening if there was like a, a properly like gender cultural representation, but only from America. I could see like the large like Netherlands contingent of like indie game developers being like, oh, we run a maze over here. Why don't you call some of us? And that shit like flaring up. And so it's, I don't know. It's like, it's super hard for anybody that's coming into this thing to like be sensitive to all these sort of little subgroups that like mean well. And it's, it's right to point out the fact that, you know, these developers are all US based, but even saying US based is like a new way to describe like, cultural islands people want to say white men because like kate is involved but now like kate is now just not a it's not a man it's like oh it's just men in america now and like the the bubble of like what's acceptable or not acceptable grows depending on people's like perceptions about how something should be happening and to like have to engage with that as an outside company that's not like been on the beat for a long time is like fucking hard like i don't know how you're supposed to navigate that sort of water yeah I mean, and again, yeah, you're right. Like, that's something that I think about all the time with regards to, like, just the internet in general of, like, some people are just not going to know about this shit. And you're right. Like, it's totally true that a company probably should, it's better for them to, like, have someone there that's going to, like, say that to them. But, you know, in the absence of that, like, how do you make the most of, like, what's happening and what is being created and like move forward from there you know and that dude (laughs) the dude who was like posting on twitter like when that whole um play date naming fiasco thing was happening he he looks so like he just he he was very apologetic and the you know the the original email that he sent was like a little bit like okay bro like you're being Yeah, yeah yeah you're being this is so weirdly worded and like it sounded sketchy and stuff like that um but he was very like look we we're only applying this to like handheld systems. They can still use the name. You do everything, anything you want. Like, I'm sorry. Like we're not all this stuff. And, um, wasn't it the the case that this was supposed to be like a subscription model where like, you're getting like a batch of games every couple months or whatever. Yeah, I think, I think that's how I understand it. I think so. The first 12 weeks they're doing like the subscription, like you buy the console and you get like 12 weeks of games. I don't know if they're sticking with that moving forward because they did mention in like sub twitter replies to people that they're looking into having a shop on there and stuff like that 
Okay. So it's like I think they're gonna be selling things piecemeal, maybe like after the whole season's up, or maybe it'll be like after this like first season. Yeah. Like it's just like a free for all of like regular game releases, like any other storefront. Um, yeah. But it's been like kind of unclear. I haven't. I have technically Edge on my Apple News Plus thing, so I want to like read that story and like learn more, but I haven't yet. Right. And it's like then like anyone can make a game for it or maybe if it isn't a subscription thing then maybe they'll take this uh input into account and have them in the future type thing in which case like then they made a mistake and then they addressed it which it's like when that happens when someone makes a mistake and they address it and they don't do, do it again what do you like stop being mad at that point in my opinion yeah I, I feel like there's, like, I mean, it's kind of like we see it with, like, cancel culture, right? Like, there's not really a lot of room for forgiveness yeah. when people make mistakes. Especially, like, this is, like, I wouldn't say this is a small mistake, but I would say it's, like, they seem to be cognizant of the, like, community that they're basically making a product for being upset. And that's, like, pretty much the best you can ask for, you know? Someone right. hearing the feedback, being, like, I'm sorry, like, genuinely, and also taking the steps to fix that, which they have, because they're, like, being super open. Like, email us if you're a developer and you want to develop for this. Like, we want to have this, like, an open-door policy type thing. And I think that's good. That's, like, better, you know. It could have just been, like, oh, we're sorry, and then, like, not bit open to people pitching them ideas or whatever they're doing. Right. Uh, So it's, like, it's a better alternative. Like, yeah, like, I don't know. I feel like we see it all the time with, like... And to disclaim this, we're not saying... That oh, nobody yeah, no. should be canceled. Also, there's there are <laughs> no, people that need to be canceled for life. You know, if you did 100%. some, if you're hopping in people's your you know coworkers DMs or you know yeah, doing all gross, types of crazy stuff creepy. like if that. If you're sexual harassing, if you're harassing sort, I will never people, forgive you. <laughs> yeah, like we're gonna you're getting you don't you're gonna get canceled. There's no reason for people to support you. But if you like if your lineup was like a little bit less diverse than it maybe should be. And then you say, I'm sorry. And then you do something different later. It's like, okay, let's fucking just, let's just keep moving forward. Like we don't have to cancel everybody. Again, I don't, this is a sticky situation. Also, Cause it is true that like people, some people got to be canceled. Sometimes you got to cancel. What? It's got canceled forever. Yeah. yeah. I think that the shitty part about it though, that I think is like going to be the case though, is that like, um, the people who are like louder and less willing to forgive are going to like, they're going to be the last ones to be now be converted to like supporting this thing. And what's going to happen is they're now going to be like a shame culture that arises. Like, because like the stuff, like when it initially happens is small and then kind of grows over time, it's going to be like, so like someone is going to get asked to make a game for this thing and they're going to tell their friend they got asked to do it. They're going to be like, Oh, like wasn't that console that like, didn't have any women in the roster you can make a thing for that and they're like oh well i i guess not like maybe i won't do that i think you know i think what you're saying is like it it sounds sketchy to me like just hearing you say it but i think that the way that the video game community particularly like the indie game community to whom this is trying to appeal that's like a major part of this audience right is like people who are super tuned into this shit like on twitter 24 7 people who are like they know every tweaking small like what is the right thing to say where are we at in the conversation about gamergate who's canceled who's not who did this who did that and like 
you have to like you know like there's like this social cue of like what the right thing to do is versus like the wrong thing to do is that solidifies in like this very intense way in the gaming the indie gaming community because of the fact that has it has been like shocked and like fucked up by gamergate because of the fact that it is like a small tight-knit community because of the fact that it is a lot of like marginalized people who are getting together and care about each other because of, there's like a thousand different things at play here that make this the way that this community is but i think you're right that playdate by essentially going into this space it not only are they like sort of gentrifying in a way but they're also going into like they're going into like the wolf's den like not to not to like antagonize this group of people because i i don't want to do that but it is like you you got to be careful in you know when you're going into this space because like there's this very sensitive particulars like conversation yeah uh, matrix going on at all times and that, that i think that is also why that is it's so surprising to me like katie like we were talking about before like that they didn't think about this before it's like do you not know do you not know who plays indie games like yeah have you ever been to yeah have you never been to designer one of roster these? lineup like you got like two people who work at the nyu game center who's like a fucking pretty liberal like really accepting place and it's like they never they didn't say anything like i don't know I feel like Ben Afadi or Zach Cage might have said something, or maybe they didn't. Yeah. Like, you know, there I don't was, know. I, maybe they know the full list and didn't know who they're gonna spotlight first, too. Which so is also like, like probably super real. List. Yeah, yeah. There's probably people on there. They just spotlighted the biggest names. You know, it's like you see those four names and you know, or I, I think the third. There's a fourth name on there I didn't recognize, but I recognize Zach, Bennett, and Kada, and then there's someone else, some other but, guy. Yeah, they're like you people know, who you get excited about they have games for it you're like oh yeah, shit those exactly. are like like oh new benefit it's games. almost yeah. as big of an oversight as the fact that you can only operate the crank with your right hand <laughs> and then people are like yeah what if i'm left-handed yeah and it's like uh, uh yeah like poor uh, my poor partner uh, is fucked <laughs> He cannot use that crank because he's left-handed. Like, I don't think is that true. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, the crank is. is on the right side. No, I know that, but like, and I, I use the, the left side. side of a controller with my left. hand. I like have used an analog stick with my left hand, but I'm right-handed. I feel like that would seem that would like I'm like trying to imagine if the crank's on the side, and like I guess I can do it, but I probably couldn't be as like whoops. I, hit I don't know. I feel like you ha- you hold a controller yeah. with two hands. Yeah, and you use one hand <laughs> for one like thing. One hand. Yeah, I don't like. Yeah. That doesn't seem like a, that seems like people starting to grasp it like shit to hate on. I'm like, you. you I don't think that that is a. No, I do. I do think that's like an. I do think that's an oversight though. Yeah, you know? it's like uh, it's definitely I don't like. Know. I don't know. But because also, not every game's gonna use it, so it's not that big. If you were like, if it was like, else, oh, so. all the buttons are on one side of the thing, I'd be like, okay, that sucks. But it's like, you have either the D-pad on one side and a crank on the other side. Like am I am I playing a less game because I have to use my right hand for the crank instead of it being on the D pad or buttons or so? I don't know. Like, it seems like a thing that like might be a non issue. Maybe it, it could be, but it, it it seems like a an issue to me just hearing about it. Um, yeah, maybe people also brought up like accessibility stuff, which also makes sense. Um, but I I mean it's very small too. 
Yeah, so this like thing that's gonna be a problem for like Did you guys see that the Game one that people, Boy Micro. that fucking worked me was like the recycle conversation where someone's like, oh, oh yeah, like another thing that's like gonna be and I'm like, what? Yeah, that, it's like Yeah, yeah, okay, yes. Yes, you're doing, right. Yes, you're like, right. If but that means like it's just, donating to charity instead of making plastic. Yeah, I was stuff. like, come on, come on. Like that's <laughs> that was like on. basically the argument, right? It was like the fact that people were making like hardware for fun. Yeah, that was dumb. The other one was like the price, which people were complaining about the price. The price I understand. But it's not that's a steep like price. The, you I know how know. much the Game Boy you know how cool. much Game Boy One costs in today's dollars? I mean, like it's also these are all gonna be like micro i don't know i understand people are complaining about the price no like, it's like you so like most people game boy one cost like 160 180 dollars in today money and came with like i think one game this is you're paying 120 dollars whatever and getting at least 12 games of links we don't know like that's like that's not a it's terrible a niche deal. product too it's also it's also it's a niche not, product it's, it's like a deal but it's a niche product for sure it's, this is the thing i'm talking about of people just like getting into this space where it's just like oh like sorry we can't make like 60 million of these because we're a small like people have they have expectations that have been set by like massive triple a companies that can work at a margin level that is just on a different scale than like even the yeah. big software company it's like yeah you know sorry we couldn't make it be 30 dollars because we're producing these for the whole fucking world like <laughs> it's not like it's not going to be a game boy it's like it's a boutique it's the same thing with the fucking oculus the oculus is 300 dollars because they're not going to make as many of them as they make fucking ps4s so it's like okay yeah it's it's not 40 dollars. i'm sorry but it's i don't know yeah it's it's just it feels so hard i just like i i like get a lot of this shit but i also feel really bad for people like panic that are coming here and i think i think in good faith they're trying to do something cool in a game space and like Josh said, they're just like stepping into the fucking den of wolves that would tear apart anything that is out of line. And that's like sucks. And I do think like 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 that dude on Twitter seems so sad. He's just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Like he's definitely not a victim, but it's just like I, I, I don't even think they can't I don't even think they like came here quote in good faith. I think they just came here like I really think this was just like let's open a bar idea yeah like here's bros. a cool we're gonna do this cool thing yeah. i mean it's like been in deve- like the tweet thread i was reading is like it's been in development for a long ass time it's like they were just i feel like it's probably just one of those fun offhand ideas like yeah like let's just do it and then they just worked on it for a long time i feel like yeah. we've been also like hey when are we gonna have a wouldn't it be so cool if there was a handheld indie gaming console yeah that you could this is like what we like why we thought the switch was going to be so cool because we could play like all this stuff on it but this is like that but like even more specialized and i like when i first heard about it i was like that's fucking awesome yeah and i still actually think it's pretty awesome yeah i'm excited for it it seems um, cool i just hope they like yeah it's like it seems like they're listening to the feedback and that's good well they've also said too that like i mean this is before all this like criticism hit but like on the website it's like yeah we're gonna release an sdk and you can make games for it and put it on the thing like I think if you want to sell it to people through the store, the subscription, whatever, that's a different thing. But like, this is something that I wish I was wishing for for a long time, especially in terms of stuff like Pico Eight, where it would be like, oh, it'd be so cool if there's just mm. a handheld device that anyone could use that people could make games for and just have access to. That's like a consistent, stable platform, and this like can be that thing, and that's like super fucking cool. Um, mm-hmm. 
So yeah, I mean, well, I think it's gonna, I think it'll sort itself out. I feel like they're, they're learning, they're listening. That's like, I think the most you can kind of ask in this scenario. Um, people have made their voices heard. Like it's now on everyone's radar. So I'm sure people are also kind of coming out of the woodwork to be like, Hey, like you guys fucked up. We're going to help you not fuck up. Um, right. I think the other thing though, is I also think that it is hard to come back from this sort of shit. Cause I think about like, um, like when Oculus was first doing its launch, like it was like all white dudes in VR headsets and like was rightfully so called out for all this shit. But now like also those early VR headsets do not fit women just plain like just like every time I'd go to an event a VR event for the Vive or the uh, like original Oculus Rift their headsets just like would not fit on my yeah, head yeah, yeah. And, like every every woman I talked to is like the same way because it's like it was like built for men like, yeah just like plain and simple which is kind of like that's another reason why I like the quest is like it actually fits my head and that's why I like PlayStation <laughs> VR it's like it really fits my head and I'm like wow it's like fucking yeah crazy. i'm not like holding the vr headset while i'm playing on this you know <laughs> well also like the thing with the, the oculus though is that like i mean i even fucking wrote an article in versions rip about some of this stuff Rest but it was peace. like like the idea was that like oh like uh, well basically people are calling out oculus because they're using white people in headsets my white dudes in headsets and now like oculus has got some of the most diverse promotional imagery i've ever oh, seen they, yeah like, they like the, totally yeah, fucking change their game yeah, but like no sure. one is talking about it and no facebook, one is commenting baby. on it even more so than facebook like oculus i think has much more so much more of a visual brand and they're like all of their stuff is like it is like super diverse everywhere yeah, i noticed that too and like oh, wait, is no oculus one not the one that's owned by facebook oh yeah it is yeah but i'm are, saying yeah. that like in terms of a visual presence face oculus has like an identity that has to do with people i don't see like ads for facebook with like people smiling and like headsets i'm just saying palmer lucky this, so this is but that's that's exactly my point josh is that you just brought up palmer lucky as a thing which he's like a dick at and like fucking sucks but like no matter what oculus has done to kind of like try to escape that shadow it lives over it and so I worry with something like Playdate, it's the same sort of scenario where it's like, no matter what they do now, they now will carry this baggage and have to like get mm. over that. And people are not going to forget. I don't think it's as steep forget. as Palmer Lucky though, honestly. Like, Obviously it's not big, as bad as Palmer yeah, yeah. Lucky. That's a pretty big thing to escape. But it's just sort of, it's the same sort of scenario that like gives rise to these sorts of like biases against things that are like super hard to come back from, even if you're acting in good faith from here on out or like doing the right, quote unquote, the right thing. Um, and that sucks, you know. Palmer yeah. likes an ass though, so you know, fuck him. But fuck him. I yeah. mean, he's probably rich, being a fucking libertarian somewhere. <laughs> I think he's in China working with the defense company. But yeah. Ooh. Anyways, um, y'all want to end it? Yeah. Let's end Always. It. We talked it out. Always um, ready. Always. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we are bad end podcast. This has been episode. Oh wait, what? Wait, what's our game club? We have to. Oh it. shit! What was it? I totally forgot. I'll bring it up. <laughs> I'll I'll start wrapping up, and then you can bring that up. All um, right. Okay. This has been episode forty-eight. Thank you again so much for listening. Um, really helpful. If you could kind of just tell your friends about the show if you dig it. Um, you can also email us. We are bad end pod at gmail.com we are also on twitter at bad end podcast rate us and review us on itunes that is also super helpful we haven't had a review in a while so if you didn't review us just like just be like oh pop in hold up let me pull up my phone real quick and leave a review five stars but you know however many stars you want to give us um if you're listening to episode 48 
you're probably you probably it's dig probably it. It's probably a fiver. It's a fiver. Probably a fiver. Um, yeah. If you're planning Big on giving five. a four, just do five. Just round it up. Um, if you're <laughs> want to give always one. round it up, no matter what number you want. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we'll be playing a video game for the game club <laughs> episode. Uh, we decided on the interlude, right? Yes. 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 Okay, so we're going to be playing yes. a game called the interlude. Um, it is a short, it's like super short. I think it's like 10 minutes long. Uh, rock, paper, shotgun did a good little write up on it. I uh, probably on itch. Uh, we'll post it in the game club channel, uh, with a link to it probably after this episode goes up. So, uh, yeah, we'll be playing the interlude. All right, folks, spread the word. We'll see you in a few weeks. See you later. later.